Chapter forty one of the Vicar of Bullhampton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, and to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Vicar of Bullhampton by Anthony Trollope. Chapter forty one Startup Farm. Farmer Brattle, who was a stout man about thirty eight years of age, but looking as though he were nearly ten years older, came up to the vicar, touching his hat and then putting his hand out in greeting. "'This be a pleasure something like, Muster Fenwick, to see thee here at Startup. This be my wife, Molly. Thou hast never seen Muster Fenwick from Bullhampton. This be our vicar, as mother and Fanny says, is the pick of all the parsons in Wiltshire.' Then Mr. Fenwick got down and walked into the spacious kitchen, where he was cordially welcomed by the stout mistress of Startup Farm. He was very anxious to begin his story to the brother alone. Indeed, as to that, his mind was quite made up. But Mrs. Brattle, who within the doors of that house held a position at any rate equal to that of her husband, did not seem disposed to give him the opportunity. She understood well enough that Mr. Fenwick had not come over from Bullhampton to shake hands with her husband, and to say a few civil words. He must have business, and that business must be about the Brattle family. Old Brattle was supposed to be in money difficulties, and was not this an embassy in search of money? Now Mrs. George Brattle, who had been born a Huggins, was very desirous that none of the Huggins' money should be sent into the parish of Bullhampton. When, therefore, Mr. Fenwick asked the farmer to step out with him for a moment, Mrs. George Brattle looked very grave, and took her husband apart and whispered a word of caution into his ear. "'It's about the mill, George, and don't you do nothing till you've spoke to me.' Then there came a solid look, almost of grief, upon George's face. There had been a word or two before this between him and the wife of his bosom as to the affairs of the mill. "'I've just been seeing somebody at Salisbury,' began the vicar, abruptly, as soon as they had crossed from the yard behind the house into the enclosure around the ricks. "'Someone at Salisbury, Mr. Fenwick. Is it any one as I knows?' "'One that you did know well, Mr. Brattle. I've seen your sister Carrie.' Again there came upon the farmer's face that heavy look, which was almost a look of grief, but he did not at once utter a word." "'Poor young thing,' continued the vicar. "'Poor, dear, unfortunate girl.' "'She brought it on herself and on all of us,' said the farmer. "'Yes, indeed, my friend. The light, unguarded folly of a moment has ruined her, and brought dreadful sorrow upon you all. But something should be done for her, eh?' Still the brother said nothing. "'You will help, I am sure, to rescue her from the infamy into which she must fall if none help her.' "'If there's money wanted to get her into any of them places,' begun the farmer." "'It isn't that. It isn't that, at any rate, as yet.' "'What be it, then?' "'The personal countenance and friendship of some friend that loves her. "'You love your sister, Mr. Brattle?' "'I don't know as I does, Muster Fenwick. "'You used to, and you must still pity her.' "'She's been and well-nigh broke the hearts of all on us. "'There wasn't one of us as wasn't respectable till she come up. "'And now there's Sam. "'But a boy as is bad ain't never so bad as a girl.' It must be understood that in the expression of this opinion Mr. Brattle was alluding, not to the personal wickedness of the wicked of the two sexes, but to the effect of their wickedness on those belonging to them. And therefore more should be done to help a girl. I'll stand the money, Muster Fenwick, if it ain't much. What is wanted is a home in your own house. Here, at Startup? Yes, here at Startup. Your father will not take her. Neither won't I. "'But it ain't me in such a matter as this. "'You ask my missus, and see what she'll say. "'Besides, Muster Fenwick, it's clean out of all reason. "'Out of all reason to help a sister? "'So it be. 
sister indeed why did she go and make i won't say what she's made of herself ain't she brought trouble and sorrow enough upon us have her here why well, i'm that angry with her i shouldn't be keeping my hands off her why didn't she keep herself to herself and not disgrace the whole family nevertheless in spite of these strong expressions of opinion mr fenwick by the dint of the bitter words which he spoke in reference to the brother's duty as a christian did get leave from the farmer to make the proposition to mrs george brattle such permission as would have bound the brother to accept carrie providing that mrs george would also consent to accept her but even this permission was accompanied by an assurance that it would not have been given had he not felt perfectly convinced that his wife would not listen for a moment to the scheme he spoke of his wife almost with awe when mr fenwick left him to make this second attack she has never had nothing to say to none sich as that said the farmer shaking his head as he alluded both to his wife and to his sister and i ain't sure as she'll be first weight civil to any one as mentions sich in her hearing but Mr. Fenwick persevered, in spite even of this caution. When the vicar re-entered the house, Mrs. George Brattle had retired to her parlour, and the kitchen was in the hands of the maid-servant. He followed the lady, however, and found that she had been at the trouble, since he had seen her last, of putting on a clean cap on his behalf. He began at once, jumping again into the middle of things, by a reference to her husband. "'Mrs. Brattle,' he said, "'your husband and I have been talking about his poor sister Carrie.' the least said the soonest mended about that one i'm afeard said the dame indeed i agree with you were she once placed in safe and kind hands the less then said the better she has left the life she was leading they never leaves it said the dame it is seldom that an opportunity is given them poor carrie is at the present moment most anxious to be placed somewhere out of danger mr fenwick if you ask me i'd rather not talk about her i would indeed she's been and brought a slur upon us all the vile thing if you ask me mr fenwick there ain't nothing too bad for her fenwick who on the other hand thought that there could hardly be anything too good for his poor penitent was beginning to be angry with the woman of course he made in his own mind those comparisons which are common to us all on such occasions what was the great virtue of this fat, well-fed, selfish, ignorant woman before him, that she should turn up her nose at a sister who had been unfortunate? Was it not an abominable case of the Pharisee, thanking the Lord that he was not such a one as the publican, whereas the publican was in a fair way to heaven? "'Surely you would have her saved, if it be possible to save her,' said the vicar. "'I don't know about saving. If such as them is to be made all's one as others have always been decent, I'm sure I don't know who it is as isn't to be saved.' have you never read of mary magdalen mrs brattle yes i have mr fenwick perhaps she hadn't got no father nor brothers and sisters and sisters-in-law as would be pretty well broken-hearted when her vileness would be cast up agin em perhaps she hadn't got no decent house over her head afore she begun i don't know how that was our saviour's tender mercy then would not have been wide enough for such sin as that this the vicar said with intended irony but irony was thrown away on mrs george brattle them days and ours isn't the same mr fenwick and you can't make em the same and our saviour isn't here now to say who is to be a mary magdalen and who isn't as for carrie brattle she has made her bed and she must lie upon it we shan't interfere fenwick was determined however that he would make his proposition it was almost certain now that he could do no good to carrie by making it but he felt that it would be a pleasure to him to make this self-righteous woman know what he conceived to be her duty in the matter my idea was this that you should take her in here and endeavour to preserve her from future evil courses take her in here shrieked the woman yes here who is nearer to her than a brother not if i know it mr fenwick and if that is what you've been saying to brattle i must tell you that you've come on a very bad errand 
people mr fenwick knows how to manage things such as that for themselves in their own houses strangers don't usually talk about such things mr fenwick perhaps mr fenwick you didn't know as how we've got girls of our own coming up have her in here at start-up i think i see her here but mrs brattle don't mrs brattle me mr fenwick for i won't be so treated and i must tell you that i don't think it over decent of you a clergyman and a young man too in a way to come talking of such a one in a house like this would you have her starve or die in a ditch there ain't no question of starving such as her don't starve as long as it lasts they've the best of eating and drinking only too much of it there's prisons let em go there if they means repentance but they never does never till there ain't nobody to notice em any longer and by that time they're mostly thieves and pickpockets and you would do nothing to save your own husband's sister from such a fate what business had she to be sister to any honest man think of what she's been and done to my children who wouldn't else have had nobody to be ashamed of there never wasn't one of the hugginses who didn't behave herself that is of the women added mrs george remembering the misdeeds of a certain drunken uncle of her own who had come to great trouble in a matter of horseflesh and now mr fenwick let me beg that there might be another word about her i don't know nothing of such women nor what's their ways and i don't want i never didn't speak a word to such a one in my life and i certainly won't begin under my own roof people knows well enough what's good for them to do and what isn't without being dictated to by a clergyman you'll excuse me mr fenwick but i'll just make bold as to say as much as that good morning mr fenwick in the yard standing close by the gig he met the farmer again you didn't find she'd be of your way of thinking muster fenwick not exactly mr brattle i knowed she wouldn't the truth is muster fenwick the young women as goes astray after that fashion is just like any sick animal as all the animals as ain't comes and sets upon immediately it's just as well too they knows it beforehand and it keeps em straight it didn't keep poor carrie straight and by the same token she must suffer and so must we all but mr fenwick as far as ten or fifteen pounds goes if it can be of any use but the vicar in his indignation repudiated the offer of money and drove himself back to salisbury with his heart full of sorrow at the hardness of the world what this woman had been saying to him was only what the world had said to her the world that knows so much better how to treat an erring sinner than did our saviour when on earth he went with his sad news to mrs stiggs's house and then made terms for carrie's board and lodging at any rate for a fortnight and he said much to the girl as to the disposition of her time he would send her books and she was to be diligent in needlework on behalf of the stiggs family and then he begged her to go to the daily service in the cathedral not so much because he thought that the public worship was necessary for her as that thus she would be provided with a salutary employment for a portion of her day carrie as she bade him farewell said very little yes she would stay with mrs stiggs that was all that she did say End of chapter forty one